Hello again, everyone. My name is David Bastel, alongside ARIA President David Oikel, and this is the Real Estate Edition podcast. Summer is here, and we have an excellent episode on deck with Sean Simpson, who is the Vice President of Ipsos Public Affairs, who produced a brand new research report for ARIA. David, what were some of your takeaways from this report? You know, I thought it really fascinating because I talked to my clients uh, in Ottawa each uh, each day about the drivers in our market and its demand and its supply. And then he broke down why demand is increasing, why supply is tight, and also the property types that uh, people are more attracted to and why. I thought it was really fascinating and an incredible amount of good data for uh, buyers and sellers and realtors all the way around. Yeah, it really was. One of the key takeaways for me was how new home buyers want additional office space because the pandemic will eventually leave us and we're hoping it's sooner than later. But when it does leave us, office space will still be key at home because a lot of people, David, will be working at home when this is said and done. Yeah, it really has changed a lot of different things because I think that you mentioned uh, office space, but it's also gym space. Uh, maybe an extra family member is living with them. You know, I have my clients who had uh, folks that were going to go into a long-term care facility that have decided maybe that's not the plan at the moment. So the the the, the reason for larger uh, larger spaces is definitely increased, and uh, I don't think that need is going away. So I think that uh, as he identifies, you know, so the conclusions are logical uh, about what we're seeing, uh, but it's really great information, and I hope the uh, the listeners enjoy it. Here is our interview with Sean Simpson, the Vice President of Ipsos Public Affairs. You're listening to this month's episode of The Real Estate Edition with host Dave Bastel and ARIA President David Oikel. Sean, so great to chat with you today. Can you tell our listeners a little bit something about yourself, your position at Ipsos, and what does Ipsos do for anybody that isn't familiar with your company? Sure. So I uh, actually live in Kitchener-Waterloo with my wife and my cat. And uh, we actually bought our first home last fall. We're, uh, you know, part of this group of people that we're going to be talking about throughout the podcast today who, you know, took the opportunities that the pandemic uh, uh, afforded to, 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 to many people and uh, and uh, and became homeowners. So, uh, you know, we're I, I'm living the stories that we're going to be telling today um, at, at Ipsos. I am uh, vice president of public affairs. Uh, so I run all of our public opinion polling. I've been working with ORIA and the Toronto Real Estate Board and other uh, realtor organizations for uh, a decade now. Um, Ipsos, more broadly, is a market research firm. Uh, a lot of what we do are Swiffers and and uh, diapers and banking and and other other products and goods and services uh, in helping um, our clients market those to people. But uh, what I get to do in public affairs is is uh, take a step back and look at uh, broader economic uh, social trends, for example. Uh, and uh, over the last year, I've obviously been following very closely the COVID nineteen pandemic. Uh, and uh, and how that's impacted all any manner of of of, of life from um, people's mental health uh, all the way through their real estate buying and selling activities. So I've, I've learned a lot over the last year, and I'm very happy to to be here today to uh, to share some of what uh, what I've learned over the last year. Yeah, so Sean, that's great. So you are here today to uh, 
because you recently conducted some research for ARIA. And uh, can you talk about the 2021 ARIA home buyers and sellers profile? You know, what the focus was, uh, who was surveyed, and some key findings. Yeah, uh, thanks a lot, uh, David. So building on the success of the inaugural launch of the uh, buyers and seller research last year, uh, it was a great opportunity to conduct some tracking to understand how things have evolved over the last year. So uh, a couple of months ago, the data are really fresh. Uh, we surveyed uh, over 1,200 likely buyers and, and over 1,000 uh, likely sellers in the province of Ontario uh, to understand uh, you know their their intentions to, to to buy and sell a home. How that's changed over the last year. The types of homes they're looking to purchase. The purchase price or the selling price. Why they're uh, deciding to 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 move in, in the next year. Where they intend to purchase. Whether they'll use a a, a realtor and 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 why. So uh, really getting into the minds of. Ontarians as to uh, you know what, what where they're at in terms of real estate and whether or not they think it's a good time to to, to make the move. Uh, in terms of of, of what we found, uh, uh, broadly speaking, is it's uh, steady as she goes. Really, uh, purchase intentions uh, are uh, remaining steady, uh, which means that we're likely to see a similar volume of activity that we've seen over the last nine months or so carry forward uh, into the next nine months or so. Uh, and all of this is juxtaposed against uh, maybe even a slight tightening of, uh, of listing intentions, uh, meaning that the market conditions are, are going to remain uh, competitive uh, in the next year or so. Uh, and uh, buyers are expecting to pay more and sellers are expecting to get even more. Uh, for their homes. So just a continuation of the trend that we've seen over the last number of months. Sean, we often say that real estate right now has been pandemic proof. What is the main driver behind the rise of house prices across Ontario and why is it happening right now? Yeah, well, you know, juxtaposed against that that infamous prediction of the CMHC last year, which which uh, suggested that uh, prices could decline. In fact, over the last year, we've seen tremendous growth and uh, it's all about economics. It's supply and demand. Uh, on the demand side, we have firm buying intentions uh, juxtaposed against tight supply. And what that means is that there's uh, continued strength. And in fact, what, what this year's research suggests is that people are even further along in their journey than they said they were last year, meaning more people are starting to already actively look, more people are already starting to engage the services of a, of a realtor. So it's not just some speculation or, or you know, dream that people have. They're actually taking the plunge. They're beginning those steps in there uh, and, and they're looking to buy. Now, uh, what we know uh, from sort of a macro standpoint, both from uh, Statistics Canada and research we've done at, at Ipsos, is that people have saved money over the course of the pandemic. Now, we can't, you know, it's a K-shaped recovery. We can't ignore the fact that roughly one in five Canadians are struggling a little bit as a result of the pandemic, maybe un underemployed, job losses, and, and, and uh, increased uh, expenses for, for various reasons. But for most Canadians, they've either been financially unimpacted or it's, the pandemic has been a positive for them, meaning they've been able to save money while at the, at the same time reducing expenses. They're not uh, traveling, they're not taking vacations, they're not spending money on other uh, goods or services that they otherwise might throughout the course of the year, meaning that 
people are able to to invest in in real estate. Uh, first time home buyers are 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 still taking the plunge. You know, I'm I'm a case in point in that. Uh, I didn't have to commute to Toronto anymore, even though you know I live in Kitchener. I work remotely. Uh, I'm not going to the theater. I'm not traveling. I had a little bit of extra money that I was able to top up a down payment and get into the market. And I'm just one example of of the thousands of people really across the province who uh, who have been the driving force behind uh, this this increased and really record level activity in the real estate market, all of which is serving to drive prices higher. So, Sean, let's dig into the details a little bit more. Um, So what are the types of homes that people are buying and what are the changes from last year? Well, 69% are are likely to buy a resale home compared to 31% who are looking for a new build. That's roughly the same as last year. New builds, obviously, more um, uh, favored by younger people uh, who who, uh, maybe are looking to buy a condo, a new build condo, for example, uh, as as their first uh, first, uh, rung on the ladder, so to speak. But, you know, what's really interesting is that we're seeing some different trends this year when it comes to... Uh, detached homes versus condos, uh, high-rise condos, for example. That's 63% of likely buyers say that they are uh, looking to buy a detached home, and that's up three points uh, from from last year. Uh, By comparison, only 14% are looking for townhomes, only 9% uh, for semis, 8% for high-rise condos, 6% for low-rise, and all of those down are just a little bit giving way to uh, increased interest in detached homes. So it's no wonder that you know we've been seeing the most uh, you know price significant price growth for those single detached homes because demand is up. Uh, people are really coveting those detached homes, uh, and, um, and and as a result. Uh, you know, we're not building them as fast as people want them. Uh, and so prices are increasing. Yeah, that's interesting because this kind of falls into uh, my next question about uh, buying patterns and preferences. How how have some of these buying patterns and preferences changed because of the pandemic? Is there any evidence of, of that, Sean? Yeah, there is. Well, along with the, the uh, increased desire for detached homes, those generally are not located in downtown the locales. They're usually in the suburbs, they're usually in smaller towns or, or in rural settings. And so when we asked likely buyers where they are uh, intending to, to look for a home, we see interest in downtowns declining now to just 20%. That's down four points from last year. So a real significant decline in, in downtown locations. If you no longer have to go to the office, <laughs> you don't need to live close to it. Uh, suburban uh, locations at 37% are uh, up a little bit. Uh, small city towns uh, are are down are uh, up a little bit to twenty four percent, and rural locations up a little bit to to nineteen percent. One of the questions that we ask every year is, uh, how far away are you likely to move? Uh, and uh, this year, people said to us that they're moving on average about one hundred and sixty five kilometers away. So that means wow. if you you know, in Toronto, maybe now you're looking at uh, KW or Woodstock. Uh, if you were in Woodstock, maybe you're looking at Tokamori. You know, uh, people seem to be moving a little bit further afield. That's up 36 kilometers from the distance uh, away that they uh, intended to to move last year. So people casting their sights further as they maybe are not um, required to go in the office uh, maybe at, at all. I haven't been in in the last 15 months, actually. Uh, but, you know, in the fall, I'm expecting to have to get back on the train and, and, and commute back into the office. 
There are a couple other trends that we're seeing this year um, as a result of COVID-19. One is size. People are looking for more space. That doesn't just mean a yard, uh, but a bigger house in general. So in, in last year's survey, only 20% of buyers said that they were going to buy a home of at least 2,500 square feet. This year, it's up to 28%. So an increase of eight percentage points. That's really, really significant. Um, and, and, and so you know, you're not going to get those kinds of homes in downtown cores. All of this makes sense. People moving, moving further afield, they want single attached homes. And they want large homes. When you talk about space, because uh, I've I've run into this with a number of people and a number of friends that I know that have bought uh, new houses in the last year, and it's and it's about having that house with office space. Meaning, like the three of us here talking today, we're working out of our home. It would be nice to have that single room, not associated with the bedroom or the kitchen or the living room or anything like that. Are you seeing that as a trend moving forward? Yes, absolutely. Nineteen uh, percent of uh, likely buyers say that they're looking for more space, or whether it's a home office or a home gym, or more study space for yes. their children who are who are working, uh, uh, who, are, who aren't in school and 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 are are studying from home. Um, you know, all of this is you know one of those trends that um, I think people are saying might continue past the pandemic. You know, even when the office reopens, I'm likely not going to be required to be there five days a week. So if I'm going to do one or two days a week from home, then what I really want is a dedicated space where I can be productive and be and be comfortable. And so, yes, that is certainly, I think, a driving factor uh, pushing people towards larger homes. So continuation on that, that's a lot of, you know, what they're buying. Is, is this some of the conclusions about timing as well? Like, you know, is, did it push people to buy now, whereas they might not have been considering doing it before? Yes, exactly. We're, we're seeing uh, people moving into the market because uh, they they have uh, more time, for example, to be looking because they're not they're not commuting. They're not you know wasting time coming to 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 or from the office. Um, there are 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 low interest rates right now. Twelve percent cited specifically low interest rates as a reason for getting into the market. Nineteen uh, percent say that they've saved more throughout the year. So all of this is, is meaning that people. Um, I think are, are taking a plunge earlier than they expected to. So people were maybe looking at one or two years down the road where they might consider the purchase of a home for all of these reasons, more time, more money, wanting more space, uh, not needing to commute. Many are taking the, the plunge and, and, and either getting into the market or changing homes sooner than they originally anticipated. And that has been fueling the, the unprecedented activity that we've seen over the last number of months. So let's shift gears a little bit. We've been talking about buyers a lot. Let's talk about sellers for a moment. So what are the main motivating factors for a seller to sell their home or maybe not sell their home uh, during this time? And why is that the case? Well, first and foremost um, is favorable housing prices. You know, 19% of sellers, that's up four points from last year, uh, are saying that, you know, now is the right time for me to uh, to sell my home. It's appreciated, you know, what, 30, 35% in some markets over the over the last year. They're looking to buy another home. They're saying, you know what, I think I can I can realize the that my my investment here that I've been working on over the last number of years. So the time is right uh, for many people. 
Uh, 14% actually say that they're downsizing. So they're selling their, their maybe larger home uh, at, a, at a substantial profit, no doubt, uh, and buying a home that maybe costs uh, less money, uh, less space, maybe in a different location. So taking some of their investment and reinvesting it in another house that uh, fits, fits their needs while at the same time realizing, again, some, some financial gain. Then we have a small proportion, just 2%, who say that they're exiting the real estate market. Either they want to capitalize uh, on their entire investment, uh, or maybe you know they're, they're going to be moving into a, a long-term care home or maybe moving in with family uh, and, uh, and taking the opportunity to sell while prices are high. A little bit of a tricky question here, Sean. Uh, the two-part question, too. So how can the uh, discrepancy between what buyers are willing to pay and what sellers are expecting to receive be explained? And how would you suggest a realtor uh, approach this subject uh, when they're uh, encountered with it? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. I mean, if I had a crystal ball, I'd be a realtor. <laughs> You know, I probably do pretty pretty well at it there. So the gap between what what buyers are uh, are looking to pay and what sellers think they're going to get is about fifty thousand dollars. So not a not an insignificant sum of money there, um, uh, and uh, it's really driven by a mismatch between supply and demand. So the data showed increased demand for single detached homes. I talked about that already. It's about no. three points. Uh, from last year. What we haven't talked about yet is that fewer owners of detached homes are looking to sell. They're down four points from from last year. So what that does is it puts upward pressure on the price of single detached homes in particular. And I think this is responsible for the gap between buyers and sellers because buyers may not fully recognize the extent of the competition that's out there for single detached homes in particular. Also, Sellers have been used to seeing very strong gains over the last nine months or so, uh, and you know maybe think that that momentum is going to to continue. And and while it's been remarkable, it's probably not sustainable. And so um, sellers may be overestimating sales price a, a little bit as as well. In terms of 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 how realtors should approach this and, and bridge the gap, what I would say is that real timely data is key. Buyers need to be realistic about what their money can afford in this market, and realtors need to help set those parameters early on in the process. Conversely, sellers need to pay attention to what comparable homes are going for in the last month, not in January or February, which was the peak of the pandemonium, when supply was extremely tight, demand was extremely strong, Every uh, case was a, was a bidding war, and and um, you know homes were selling for double digit percentage over over the selling prices. You need to look at more timely data, and what Oria's data is, has been showing uh, is that the level that the, the growth is leveling off a little bit. We're now entering into a more sustained pace of growth. It's not um, it, it's not okay. For, for sellers to think that they'll necessarily get the same level of interest in price in their property today that they might have got three months ago. Right. We will be back after this short break. Join the ARIA Realtor Research Community to have your say when it comes to the services ARIA provides, the recommendations we make to the government, and the strategic priorities of the association. You'll receive exclusive content and be entered into monthly draws every time you complete a survey. 
Visit joineriaresearch.com to sign up and join an exclusive community of realtors making a difference. Joineriaresearch.com. I think you uh, partially answered this next question. So in, in this ongoing seller's market, with countless bidding wars, buying a home can become a frustrating experience for many. Um, What can realtors do to help manage those expectations of your clients? I think you hit on that a little bit, but maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I think realtors really need to bring their experience to bear. They need to share the, the realities of the market with their clients and to share what they've been seeing on the ground over the last few months. So that involves educating buyers uh, on how far their money can go, educating buyers about the potential for interest rate increases and what that might mean for their their payments, educating buyers about how tight the market is in certain segments where they may have more, you know, better odds, more where they may be more competitive in terms of of an offer and, 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 and what this market means for the competition they're likely to face. You know, ultimately, buying a home is a very emotional experience. I know I just bought one. Um, But Ontarians need to be able to rely on their realtor as a source of wisdom and level-headed advice based on their experience. Okay, well, let's let's talk about first-time home buyers then, and younger generations that are wanting to make that first big purchase and 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 kind of keep that Canadian dream of uh, home ownership alive. Uh, what can be done in that situation, considering that you know we see very high prices in, in these situations, and and it can be intimidating to first-time buyers, younger couples, uh, and and making that first big purchase of your life. That's a, that's a great question. Um, how do we keep the dream alive, right? Well, we know from, from research that we've done in the past for ARIA that, you know, over eight in 10, a vast majority of Ontarians say that home ownership is a dream for them. Um, so obviously we need to understand that in the context of, of rapidly rising rising prices. So I think there's a couple of things that, that uh, realtors can do. Uh, one is um, you know, at, a, at, a, at an industry level. The other one may be at a, at a more individual level. So at the industry level, um, uh, realtors uh, can continue the good work that they're already doing, advocating for changes on the supply side. So how can we keep up with the pace of growth in Ontario without building more homes? We're simply falling behind. How can we shave off the amount of time it takes to get projects approved? How can we make better use of the land that we do have through densification? All of these areas of, of public policy are, are issues where, you know, ARIA, uh, TREB, BUILD, and, and others are doing a good job and, and, and really need to, you know, to keep politicians and regulators, you know, feet to the fire, so to speak, yeah. to... To, to bring about change, to, to ensure that we have enough homes for not just the people who are living here, but the people who are immigrating here. And what's remarkable about all of this activity over the last nine months is that we've done it without immigration. But we know that immigration is going to start up again, you know, hopefully soon we'll get those borders open and that will create even more demand going forward. But we need homes for everybody to live in. Yeah. This thing that I think can be done is to ensure that the services of realtors are accessible to everybody, 
regardless of their income, race, creed, orientation, or other identities. And I know there's good work being done in this area by, by Aria and others, but I think it's really important to ensure that we remove any systemic barriers that are in place so that home ownership can be a dream that is realized by everyone who wants it. Yes. Uh, okay. So looking, looking ahead to the future, uh, let's talk some trends and uh, what trends we will see continue as a result of COVID-19 that we, we've had a, a fairly substantial time phase and, and hopefully the pandemic is behind us. It's not quite there yet, but we, we have evidence that, uh, you know, of at least 15 to 16 months could be a little bit more. Uh, what trends do you think will continue as a result of it? Well, I think that single detached homes are going to continue to be popular if they remain affordable. Uh, once you've had more space, you rarely want to go back to less space. Um, and and uh, it, part of this is that I think that people um, will continue to live further away from work uh, due to the rise of, of uh, remote uh offices and, and Zoom and Teams and all these other things that we use. And because I think society has proven that we can be quite productive uh, working from home, even if we do, we do miss our colleagues. So detached homes and people living further from work, I think those will continue. In terms of what might revert or at least um, stop the, 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 the trend um, is that ultimately, I think that there will be increased interest again in downtown hmm. locations. Cities are energetic, they're, they're lively, and that's where young people generally want to be. That's where people who are new to Canada generally want to be with, 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 with uh, the energy uh, of, of, of cities. And, and I think as we open borders, again, we, uh, and we have a, a greater influx uh, of immigrants into Canada, they're largely going to be looking at cities. And so I, I know there's been a move out of the cities over the last uh, couple of months, and it may continue for the next couple of months uh, as the pandemic um, continues. But downtown, uh, I think, will, will, will be something that... that uh, is is top of the list for many people. It's interesting you say that because that came up with uh, with a, a couple of conversation with some colleagues at Aria and and the other conversation. And I'm kind of wondering to get your take on this as far as trends to revert back. Um, right now, we see in cottage country here in Ontario, it is red hot. It is it is you know I, I I've spent some time up at the lake and, and so forth and and you see property getting snapped up within hours sometimes it seems. Does this trend revert back in a year where you know and cross our fingers on this that we don't hear the word COVID nineteen anymore? Do you see that reverting back as well? Yeah, you know that's that that's a tough that's a tougher one. I think if that reverts back, I don't think it's a short term thing. I think that probably has more to do with, um, you know, boomers passing on and, and leaving it to children who may not be around and having to deal with capital gains if it's not the primary residence, et cetera. So I think, you know, if that does revert back, I think it, it's, you know, 10 to 20 years down the road. Uh, but for the time being, um, given that people can can live further away from where they work, I think that cottage country real estate is still going to be very desirable for the next uh, couple of years anyway. 
Well, Sean, uh, I know it's changed for me, but uh, you know, the typical realtor uh, viewing homes and open houses and that kind of stuff, I have to say, personally, I'm not sad about the open houses having gone away. Um, but we saw a shift and a partial shift from uh, in-person showings and, and sometimes their virtual uh, business. So how has that uh, dynamic changed and how has the, the, the buyer realtor process uh, changed over the last year? Yeah, that's a that's a great great question. Um, and and David, you're you're right. You're 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 living it and seeing it in in your business. I think there are two major implications for this. The first um, may not be good news. The first is that it probably means that realtors are needing to be available to their clients at all times of the day or the night. Maybe even more so than they used to be, because the expectation for people digitally or virtually is instant, right? They want to be able to, to get a response uh, or, or see the house they want to see or whatever the case is um, very, very quickly. I know realtors are used to the evenings and the weekends and, and, and long hours already, but I suspect uh, that given the, 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 the digital life we're in right now and the increase in the real estate market, the activity, I suspect that this has all been exacerbated. The second key implication is that territory might be less important than maybe it was before. What I mean by that is that, you know, you may no longer just focus on on showing homes that are in the geographic you know, proximity of where your where your office is, because you can connect with with a realtor across the province uh, and a realtor can show you any house across the province through through a virtual uh, a virtual uh, open house. So uh, that sort of traditional notion of, well, this is my territory, this is your territory, maybe going by by the wayside now because we're all digital. Um, but I, I should caution something, make a make a note of caution here. And that is that buyers really value local expertise. Uh, and one of the reasons when we ask people why they might use a realtor to either buy or sell a home for that matter, it's because they know the local market. So I still think that even though uh, you know boundaries are, are obsolete uh, with, uh, with, with the rise of digital uh, innovation, uh, buyers and sellers still want to know that their realtor has an intimate knowledge of the local market. That's going to be very important. Yeah, just, a, just a quick follow-up on that. It's interesting, you know, last April and May, when some of my uh, clients, they had to sell, whether they had bought another property, they were closing on something, but they were still very concerned about safety. You know, they really wanted to know that I was doing a virtual tour and doing great uh, information so that a buyer would have gotten all the information they possibly could. Uh, before they came in to reduce the number of people coming through their home. And I think a lot of realtors did that. And I don't think that's going away. I think that everybody stepped up their game. The industry was was really adaptable. And I think that that increased quality of uh, of uh, presentation and, uh, and virtual tours has been good for us all because it does reduce a few of the tire kickers because you've really gotten an awful lot of great information. And I don't think that's going away. So I think the industry adapted. And uh, and I think it's a real strength. So um, yeah, so that's good. Yeah, it's probably you know the best of both worlds. You have more eyes on the property because it's being broadly you know marketed digitally, but 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 only those who are more serious are actually going going through the home, which I think is uh, is good news for sellers. 
Sean, a couple of minutes ago, you talked about people valuing local expertise. And that's kind of interesting because I'm curious to see the research behind your findings of people wanting to use a realtor. Can you please tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, so 89% of buyers, that's up three points, and 88% of sellers, up four points, say that they're going to use a realtor to help them with their with their transaction. So this actually surprised me a little bit because given how hot the market is, you might expect some sellers to say, well, geez, how hard can it be to sell a home right now? I'm just going to list it myself and you know it'll sell and, and that'll be great. But they're not. That's not what they're saying. They're saying, you know, even though the market is so hot, I still want to use a realtor because they will help me to extract maximum value for my home. They'll help me price the home. They'll help me market the home. They'll help me find buyers. They'll help me negotiate. All of those things in tandem lead to greater competition, more buyers interested in the property, which leads to greater selling prices. And so uh, sellers don't want to squander this opportunity. They want to work with, with, uh, with a realtor to help them maximize the value. Conversely, sellers are saying, well, given how tight the market conditions are and given evolving regulatory frameworks and first-time home buyer requirements, et cetera, et cetera, I want to use a realtor to help me navigate this. So, um, you know, interest in realtors is, is higher than I've, I've seen in the last number of years. Uh, and, uh, you know, with the market conditions likely to continue the way they're going, I think realtors are still going to be very, very busy. Yeah, that is certainly true. That is my experience. They really value it in navigating that multiple offer process. A buyer uh, really does want representation, and I've experienced that as well. So, you know, uh, closing out soon, uh, Sean. So uh, if you leave your listeners with one, uh, one or two key takeaways, what would they be that we haven't already talked about? Well, I, I think the, the 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 key takeaway here is that things are likely to continue on a similar trajectory. Maybe not at the crazy pace we've seen over the last nine months or so, but the fundamentals are there for growth. The economy is doing quite well. Uh, Canadians are still saving money by not spending it on travel or, or other activities. Real estate is seen as and proved to be a, a good investment. And first-time buyers are feeling a sense of urgency to get in now. All of this points to continued activity and continued growth, so realtors should expect to keep their foot on the gas pedal for the foreseeable future. Sean Simpson, it's been a pleasure, and, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. That was a great chat with Sean Simpson from Ipsos. If you would like to view the report, visit aria.com forward slash buyers sellers report for more info. Before we go, I have an exciting announcement to share with you. Aria has officially extended Access to LifeWorks, a 24-7 well-being solution for another three years. This means that Aria members and their families have access at no cost until 2023. Visit aria.com forward slash LifeWorks for more information or to access the service. The ARIA Standard Forms team is continuing to offer Forms Webinar Wednesdays on the last Wednesday of every month. If you missed any of our previous webinars, such as Forms 320, Identifying You and Your Brokerage, or Forms for Brokerage-to-Brokerage -brokerage Communication, you can find them on the Standard Forms Webinar landing page on ARIA.com. 
The next one is coming up on June 30th at 1 p.m. and is titled New Member Forms and Clause Must Knows, followed by a closer look at commercial forms on Wednesday, July 28th at 1 p.m. And don't forget to take the Are You a Forms Rockstar quiz to find out if you're a forms expert. You can find the quiz when you visit the Standard Forms landing page. And finally, before we go, I want to share another piece of exciting news. Aria is proud to announce that we're donating an additional $520,000 to Ontario shelters and shelter-based charities through the Ontario Realtors Care Foundation on top of the $480,000 that was donated one year ago. This money will go towards supporting more than 100 shelters and food banks across Ontario. Thank you to Ontario Realtors for always showing real heart. That's it for today. From Maria President David Oikel and myself, David Bastel, stay safe and we'll talk to you again soon. Visit aria.com slash podcast for more information, links, and a full list of our episodes to date. New episodes are out the second Tuesday of every month. Hey!